Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On the overnight crowd, it is time now to to look at some more of the AFL news across the week. Of course, we've had a brilliant week one of finals. We're looking ahead to week two. We've got the AFL TV rights as well. And to help us work our way through it all, Jasper Chelepa from the Inner Sanctum is joining us once again. Welcome to the overnight crowd, Jasper. Great to have you on board. Yeah, thanks, Jen. I hope you're keeping well tonight. I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, very, very well. Now, before we get too far into the the nuts and bolts of the TV rights deal that did come across today, how good was the first week of finals? (laughs) We got spoilt. We got absolutely spoilt, you're right. And, I mean, you can't can't even pick a a best game out of the lot. I thought on Thursday night we wouldn't get a better one than that one. I thought that was almost the best game since maybe the 2018 grand final, maybe the 2016 prelim between the Dogs and the Giants. It was up there with the, the absolute best, Richmond versus Brisbane, and it had absolutely everything. Um, and then we got an incredible upset on Friday night. We got just a, another insane Collingwood finish um, on Saturday afternoon with Geelong just holding on there. And then to top it all off, your mob, Fremantle, down and out at halftime, or maybe a few minutes before halftime, before they kicked a couple goals, they were down by 41 points at one stage. It was absolutely remarkable the comeback that they had against the Dogs and they ran all over the top of them. They didn't even look like losing halfway through the fourth quarter. Um, It was absolutely spectacular. I hope you got along or or got to watch that one at the very least, Jen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I I was lucky enough to to get to the the game here in Perth and last last minute call up to to join my sister-in-law and as I spoke about last night, it was a very quiet beginning to the game, but my word, it was it was a fun place to be in Perth as everyone sort of very slowly and quite rhythmically made their way out of the ground. There was no one rushing. Everyone was just soaking in the moment. So it was, uh, yeah, I'm really stoked that I got to be there. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that they don't play another game at Optus, obviously, but um, that was such a special moment for Dockers fans who have been starved with success for a while. Um, and I, I'm, I love the supporter base. I love the team. I love the way they play right now. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully Fremantle can go on with it. So Melbourne and Brisbane Lions go head-to-head on Friday night at the MCG. Of course, both games will be at the MCG. 7.50, the game will begin. Uh, it's We've sp- spoken a bit about this recency bias. You know, you go in thinking, well, Brisbane Lions won the last one and Melbourne <laughs> lost their last one. How do you see this going out, considering as well, Melbourne have well and truly had the Lions measure this season in the regular season? Yeah, it's a good point that you make about the recency bias because you look at Brisbane's game against um, Richmond last week. They've got an eight-day break, and they're you know all, all of a sudden they're up and about. They yeah you know, they just won a really great game uh, in finals intensity. That's going to set them up well for this one. But you have to consider round twenty-three. It was only three weeks ago now, um, and Melbourne just destroyed them up on their home deck at the Gabba, and it didn't look like there was really even a chance of Brisbane of getting back into that game. We saw some really good structural stuff from Melbourne, particularly on Lockie Neal. Angus Brayshaw controlled him at stoppages and they all it was a bit of a team effort as well as Brayshaw's um, tagging of him. Uh, they just really nullified his influence, I thought, without uh, 
Lockie Neal on Thursday night against Richmond, they had no chance. So you probably look at this game and say, if Melbourne can replicate what they did, um, it, it's it's probably a, a given that they win this one um, fairly comfortably. But Brisbane's already got to look at what they want to achieve a few weeks ago, and, and they will definitely have a plan in place to, to help Neil around stoppages, to nullify the influence of Stephen May, who was best on ground almost last week, um, and Jake Lever. So I think there's a path forward for Brisbane to win, but it's going to be very difficult. Uh, yeah, and I think a lot of talk around, as you just pointed out, how do you shut down Lockie Neal? And if you do, that's a big part of, of hurting Brisbane Lions. So I think the Lions themselves have to go into this game plan very much going with the idea of, well, let's expect little from Neil, even though you know you'll get more than that. But if we if we build a game plan around not requiring him, then that might be the way to, to get around the Ds. Who, I mean, Petrarca's going to be playing, well, if the if the corky comes through, but the, the broken leg or the fracture, you know, they seem to qualify as like a hairline little chip and, and less of a concern than the, the actual muscle injury. Yeah, and Scott Pendlebury was talking a bit earlier in the week about how that feels to play with. And he said, you know, it was like a, kind of like a hot blade of the back of your calf almost, that, that hairline fracture. But it, it doesn't, you know, supposedly it doesn't make the injury worse playing through it. I think so the the, the calf corky is more of a concern. To me, it's it's a really dangerous game they're playing because Petrarca's influence was really nullified and, and he really struggled to, to you know, have any influence on the game against Sydney. Um, I guess he's probably going to be playing a, a lot more forward with Brayshaw, Viney, and maybe Sparrow in the midfield with Clayton Oliver. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. And, and they may rude, they may rude playing him because they've got a pretty deep list and they've got guys like Luke Dunstan banging the door down in the VFL to actually come in and, and play in the AFL. That'll be interesting, won't it? To, that whole idea of the value of a player when they're not 100%. And he was definitely hampered throughout the rest of the game. They, they obviously keep coming up back and saying, look, it was because of the corky less so than the fracture. But as you say, it is you know, it is something that you can still feel. So interesting to see how that does play out um, between those two. Who's your tip? Go with it, Melbourne or, um, or Brisbane? Yeah, I think Melbourne win this one by probably about four goals. So I'd say 20, 22 points, something like that, Jen. Okay, and moving on to Collingwood versus Frio. Uh, again, at the G, the, ch- the cheer of MCG going around Optus Stadium. Can they um, take that enthusiasm over there and get off to a, a quicker start is probably a key part of the Dockers. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got 88,000 tickets sold oh. already. So we're looking at another 90,000 plus, which is a fantastic outcome. The Collingwood Army is out in fourth over the over the season. They've been sensational. Um, and you can see why. They're such a fun team to, to watch. Even in that loss, they were so impressive considering the, the age differences between a lot of their squad and, and Geelong and just the experience in general for a lot of their youngsters. Um, they, they really did themselves proud on, on that big stage. You look at Fremantle, the way they play, there's two really contrasting styles here. Collingwood's really set up for finals football. Their, their style is pressure, forward half turnovers, um, quick scores on the board, and then really rely on some um, half-back goals to, to help out with that pressure. You look at Fremantle, their, their defense possesses a lot of the ball. They like to limit scoring as much as possible. Um, and then just methodically work their way through the midfield with guys like Andy Brayshaw and, and Caleb Sarong in career best form right now. So it's going to be interesting to see which style comes out on top. Usually it is the pressure style of a Collingwood, but I, I really like Fremantle's ability to slow down the play. They didn't get flustered after that um, really good start from the Dogs last week, which was so impressive. 
Um, so if they can hold their head and hold their nerve a little bit against Collingwood to start the game where they will come out firing, I think Freo is in a really good position here, Jen. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, the ticket's already gone. We had just shy of 92,000 in the Geelong-Collingwood game. I think we'd probably be expecting near on that same atmosphere. And this is where it gets a little bit different. You speak to people who go to games like this and they'll say the atmosphere is better than grand final day because there's not all those neutral supporters or the big, more commercial tickets. It is very much in this mm. instance, you know, going to be a Collingwood um, army in place. It, it could be a, an absolutely cracking atmosphere for a finals at the G. Yeah. I think it's safe to say there's going to be about, at least 70,000 Collingwood supporters. So with a Frio goal or Frio winner, it might be a little bit quiet. Um, but, yeah, every single play for Collingwood, every every tackle, there'll be a crowd ball. Um, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere for whoever you support because that's that's what we've, we've been loving about the footy over this final series and throughout this year. Over the last two years, we haven't been able to see this, you know, the crowd, the crowd interactions and, and players performing in front of 90,000 um, people. So... Um, that's been really special, and, and you're right. It's going to be it's going to be like a 19th man out there for Collingwood because that the, the crowd, even against Geelong, was was so one-sided for for periods of that game. It, it really helped them. Yeah, I, and I think it come these moments when you when you can for for now for Frio being the away side, you got to try and keep the crowd as quiet as possible. That's one of your key indicators of how the game's going and, and, and vice versa for Collingwood. They want to bring that crowd into it as quickly as they can and keep them going because it is, it's got that additional effect. Um, absolutely. We, I, I sat there and witnessed that at Optus Stadium just on the weekend gone past. So who's your tip for this game, Collingwood or Frio? Um, it's really hard to tip against Collingwood simply because of that momentum that they will get from the crowd. But I, I like Fremantle to continue on with this. Their second half against Western Bulldogs, I don't think the dogs really slowed down that much. I just thought Fremantle got going and, and their thought-off pressure in itself with, with guys like Lockie Schultz and, and Michael Walters turning back time um, was really impressive. So I'll, I'll take Fremantle by a goal in, in an absolute classic, I think. Oh, how good will that be, a tight finish, even though it would be <laughs> nervous for me to watch that. I just love um, tight finishes in, in, in finals games, whatever the sport it may be. Uh, we are speaking with Jasper Chelepa of the Inner Sanctum all about AFL and the stories that have come through. So we've had a good look at the finals in week two. What about the AFL TV rights deal? That was probably the major dominating news across um, AFL across Tuesday. Yeah, it's a huge news, obviously running through 2031. So it's a really big deal to on top of what they currently have with Seven and Foxtel. So that partnership will continue on. Um, I think Gil might have leaked some news about an offer from Nine and Stan to potentially drive the price up or maybe just make this deal look better yeah. um, than it is. I think it's about $550 million per season, which sounds like a pretty big number, but there's potential here from Seven and Foxtel to really reap the benefits of it at the back end of this deal. Over the next seven years, you can probably expect the CBA to go up a lot participation in the game at grassroots level and maybe even international um, audience to, to kind of increase by, you know, however, whatever rate it is right now. I think, I think you can probably expect that to accelerate. So we could be looking back on this in 2030 and say, this is a fantastic deal for the broadcast um, broadcasters because, you know, the, the participation of the game and, and the audience levels have just gone up tremendously out of COVID. Um, so I, I think there's potential there for, for this to be a really good deal for the broadcasters. The, the big one for me is having seven plus uh, broadcasting all of the games. That hasn't been the case over the last few years, unfortunately. 
And I think that's really important going forward for a younger audience that doesn't, you know, doesn't have the cables running through their TV and it does everything digitally on the Apple TV or the Google Chrome or, or whatever it is. Um, I think it's a really important way to, to get viewers invested uh, when they're not paying for KO. So I think that's, that's a good step forward um, in terms of getting people interested in the game. Yeah, definitely seems to have a bit more of a, an understanding towards the trends of how people are consuming sport at the moment. And uh, that, that to me is a big tick. What about the free-to-air component? It obviously drives a lot of conversation, especially across radio worlds. Um, it does tend to, I know, uh, to drive the conversation, even though you can put the argument out of, you know, it's, it's equivalent to, say, a coffee once a week over the month is your, is your ability to afford the streaming services. But are you, are you happy with the free-to-air that's stayed in regards to you'll get your local games free-to-air? Yeah, well, it's, you know, KO, the price probably isn't going to affect your rusted-on supporters who, um, you know, watch the, the footy year on year, and they have done for decades. But I think for people entering the, the market and, uh, you know, just, you know, testing the waters and seeing what the game is about, it's really important to have a local team that you can support and to have as many games as possible on free-to-air. I think that's something that we actually do better than you know, the American kind of partners, I think, in the NFL, you've got a couple of games each week on free-to-air, CBS, um, NBC. But other than that, it's really tough to actually watch the games without buying subscriptions. And that's something that we don't really want the AFL to go down. I know the quality of the product might improve that way, but it's really important for, for, the, for the growth of the game that as many stay on free-to-air. It's not a terrible result. You'd like more going um, into the next seven years, but... I think all things considered, we're probably doing it a little bit better than um, the rest of the world. There was also, I think, good um, commitment to keep up the resourcing to the AFLW and the way that that gets broadcast as well. So, um, yeah, it seems like a fairly well thought out deal with a last last minute sort of wheeling and dealing, as you say, I think, in, in the idea of attempting <laughs> to see if they could drive the price up in that auction style. Uh, Jasper, before I do let you go, uh, I want to say thank you for all of the time and effort and generosity you've given to us here at the Overnight Crowd by being a contributor while I've been host of the show. Uh, I finish up on Friday, but but it's been a real joy getting to, to talk sport with you every week. Yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure on my end as well, Jenya. Um, you've been an incredible host. I know the overnight crowd listeners absolutely adore you as well. So it'll be tough to see you leave um, from all accounts, I think. Hopefully not gone for too long. We'll wait and see what happens. But um, before I let you go, one of the things I did want to give you a chance to to speak a bit about. So the website, theinnersanctum.com.au, is where people can continue to keep up to date with your work and, and the work of the rest of your crew as well. One of the things for you that I know you are amazing at analysing and very big part of, your top 30 power rankings for the AFL draft coming up. Uh, give us a quick snapshot of what's happening with that. Yeah, the draft's heating up and I absolutely love the season that we're coming into because the, the good news stories are just so rife throughout um, the top 30 and, and throughout the draft pool as well. As we head towards November, those two draft nights, they'll have it on two nights. Again, the first round on November 28th and then the second on November 29th. Um, so we're not too far away now. I know it's September. We, yeah. The year has absolutely flown by. Um, and yeah, it's it's an awesome pool. It's been really exciting to to be watching the NAB League and the State Leagues throughout the year. And we're getting at the pointy end now. So hopefully, I'll have a, a little phantom draft of the first round to come out next week when we have about fourteen teams out of finals contention. Um, but the top five, I think, is really powerful. And if you've got a top five pick, um, you could be looking forward to an absolute superstar of the future. 
I think I've got Will Ashcroft at number one, as does probably everyone at this point. He's going to head to the Brisbane Lions um, under the father-son rule. So we're going to have Jamara Hagen through the NGA. We're going to have um, Nick Dacos last year, who was one or two, depending on who you talked to, with Jason Long Francis. And then Will Ashcroft this year. So it's a little bit compromised at the top end lately, Jen, but um, he's going to be an absolute superstar. The son of Marcus, he's going to be a really good midfielder of the future. And then I have, just in order, the top five. Harry Sheasel's a, a creative half-forward who's got some Zach Bailey kind of traits, in my opinion. He's really smart and composed with ball in hand, but super powerful and knows where the goals are. George Wardlaw's a bit of a Luke Parker in terms of his contested ability. He's marking around the ground. He can go forward and kick a goal. He's got really good burst out of stoppages. Elijah Sartis um, is a really smooth-moving kind of outside midfielder who you know is probably the best player ball in hand going inside 50 in the draft. Um, and then Aaron Cadman is the key forward in, at the top end who plays a little bit like Charlie Kerno. He's a bit shorter than your regular key forwards, but he's just so impressive, powerful, and um, kicks a lot of goals from a lot of different opportunities. So I think he's going to translate really well to the AFL. Brilliant. So just reminding everyone, head across to theinnersanctum.com.au and you'll be able to see those articles and keep up to date with some great work with the power. What do we call them? The power rankings, top 30 power rankings, AFL Draft 2022. Jasper, you do great work and I have loved speaking to you and have a great rest of the week and bring on the finals. Yeah, bring on week two. I absolutely can't wait. I hope the Fremantle Dockers get up for you, Jen. Thank you very much. Oh, look, how good would that be if uh, I head off on holidays knowing that Frio are continuing through to finals? Maybe that's the best chance because if I was to stay, they wouldn't make it. So maybe it's that idea that by me heading off, they'll make it all the way through. Here's hoping anyway. Uh, thanks to Jasper Chelipa from the Inner Sanctum for joining us. You can also, if you're on Twitter, at Inner Sanctum underscore AU is the way to stay in touch with them there as well as the website. I'll just repeat that again. Theinnersanctum.com.au. Jasper has tipped Melbourne by 22 and Frio in a close one by six. And of course, we're taking more of your winner and margin tips for the Melbourne versus Brisbane game. So get them in on the text line 0433 98 11 16 and uh, get on the phones. Let's talk again in just a moment. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.